the Department of Justice, the FBI, a former president, search warrants, documents seized. The big news of this week centered around gathering information. And that's what I want to talk about today. I don't want to talk about that today, all right? Because probably uh, you, you've heard about as much as you could hear in one week. I, I don't want to talk about that today. But I want to talk about like this gathering of information. See, I, I believe that many church people in our day have become experts at gathering information. Not only in like a weekly setting like we're doing today where, where someone will stand before you and, and give information that, that you can write down, that, that you can gather, but, but also just in a day where, where literally so much information at your fingertips. And I think it has come to the place where we've begun to equate being serious about spiritual things with being on a quest for new information. We always want new information. What I believe is rare is those who will gather information and then ask, now what? Because the information's not a shortage. But now what? And today, I, I want to just consider a couple of really simple questions, right? When I gather information first, how do I live that? How do I live that? And second question, when will I live that? See, gathering information can be enlightening. I'm saying, depending on how it's done, it could even be entertaining. But living information that we gather, that becomes life-changing. And that is what I want to help you with today. So I want to say welcome, so grateful that you would choose to, to, to gather with us today. So grateful for those of you who are joining us online from all mission sites and campuses today. Maybe you're home, maybe you're traveling. Uh, we're sort of nearing the, the end of the, of the summer travel season, but I, I'm just putting out a blanket thank you for all summer long, just the way you have chosen to stay connected by taking advantage of how we can do that online but everybody, thanks for taking today. Here's where I want to go. I'm convinced the Apostle Paul was a sports fan. I am. It's just one more thing that I love about him. There are multiple places in the scripture where he uses sports imagery to teach spiritual lessons. And one such place is Philippians chapter 3, which is the text for the current series that we're in called Pace Setter. Now, here's the point. When you run, which is the language that we're going to hear Paul use a little bit today, 
When you run, having a pace setter is to your advantage. A pace setter is the one who sets the pace. They're, they're the one who gets out front. They're the one who's willing to take the lead. And the point is, they pull you along a little faster than you perhaps would run on your own. And so when you have a pace setter that you can follow, you, you tend to, to try to keep up with them. And in the end, you run a better race. And what we're learning in this section of Scripture is that Paul's saying, I'll be that for you. He's like, I'll be your pace setter in this race of life because I know, he says, what the most important thing in the whole world is, it's knowing Jesus. It's the surpassing value of knowing Jesus. And so, come on, I I'm going to be the pace setter. Run with me. Now, when it comes to knowing someone, we realize we can grow in that, always. Yesterday, for me, marked 34 years that my wife, Jen, and I have been married. 34, yes. That's applause for her patience. That's what that is. We always celebrate two numbers because five years before that is when we actually started committing toward one another, if you will. And so we always celebrate two. So we celebrate 34 and we celebrate 39 because we were uh, committed about five years before we were really old enough to, to get married. Here's the way I often describe what we have. I used to say, Man, we've had so much fun growing up together. Because we really did. From about 15 years on, old on, we, we had so, we've had so much fun growing up together. I've changed my language. Now this is what I say. We are having so much fun growing up together. Now don't get me wrong. We're a lot more grown up than we were at 15. We are. We've learned some stuff. I know a lot more about her. She knows a lot more about me. We're a lot more grown up than we were at 15 years old. But it is also true that we are still growing. And so when I, right, still look into her eyes today and we have conversations and we're talking about life and what it is to, to follow Jesus, we are always learning more growing more in the relationship that we have. Paul's saying the same thing is true in what you have with Jesus. Same thing is true, right? You, you've, you've met him, you know him, but come on, this relationship, let's grow in that relationship. And Paul knows a day is coming it's the day when Jesus will return and a resurrection happens. That's going to be the moment that he gets to see Jesus face to face. Like that's going to be when he knows him more fully. And so he runs for that goal. And what we've already learned in this series is he says, not only will he be our pace setter, but he says from pastors to preteens, we are all supposed to be pace setters 
helping each other run this race. So that's the context of what we're about to read. Philippians chapter 3, let's pick it up with verse 12. We're just going to look about three verses today. Here's what he says in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's good news. I love that line. Jesus holds me. I know him. But Paul's like, we're not, we're not finished in this. Verse 13 sort of repeats that thought. Brothers and sisters, I do not yet consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that Paul is saying, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Because we know if anybody is varsity in this race of knowing Jesus better, it's Paul, right? He's varsity, man. And if he's saying, I'm not there yet, he tackles very quickly in these few lines the issue that sometimes we want to throw out there. It goes like this. Jeff, me being a pace setter feels so hypocritical, right? Me me being in the lead of, of, of helping people follow Jesus, I feel so hypocritical in that because I am nowhere near the perfect example. So what is Paul saying here? The requirement is not perfection, meaning no mistakes ever in our life, Right? No failures ever in our life. No, Paul has plenty of those in his story. The requirement is not perfection. The requirement you hear from Paul here, it's progress. It's progress. He's moving forward. He's saying, I'm pressing on. He's saying, I haven't yet arrived. Yes, Jesus has me and I know him, but I want to know him better. And I want to know him better. And I want to know him better. It's progress. There's a word that comes to mind when I read this text. From Paul, it is the word discontentment. Now, most of the time when we're talking about discontentment in in terms of spiritual things, we are often talking about discontentment in terms of something negative. Like it's something that you should not have. Because scripture teaches us that we ought to be content with what we have right? That when we have enough to, to, to live, enough food, a place, we, we should be content with what we have and not always having to have more. It, it teaches us to be content in our circumstances, right? Sometimes those circumstances are, are celebration, sometimes those circumstances, but it, it teaches us to be content. But there is a place for discontentment 
in this spiritual walk. And that's what I'm hearing from Paul now. It's not about how much he possesses. It's not about the circumstances he's going through. It's with his relationship with Jesus. And he's not discontent because Jesus is not enough. He's discontent because he knows that Jesus is more than enough and he wants to know him better and better and better. And so he's discontent where he is. He wants that to grow. He wants it to be that when he worships Jesus, it's bold, it's genuine. He wants it to be that when he knows the scripture, he knows God's word more fully. He, he wants it to be that when he prays, it's powerful, it is deep. He wants to move forward in the relationship with Jesus, and he's saying, come on, let's run. So he gets to this point where he says, okay, so there's one thing I do. And then you know Paul's a preacher because he, like, says there's one thing, and then he, like, lists three, right? That's kind of, that's, that's, that's the way we work, all right? But, but I think the reason it sounds like he lists several things is because he sees all those things as one. He really sees them all as one thing. But as he says, there's one thing I do, here's what he starts to unpack for us. Here's, here's what's involved. He says it, involve, it involves forgetting what is behind. If I'm going to be discontent with where I am and I want to move forward in this relationship with Jesus, I got, I got to forget what is behind. Now, here's what we know. We know this does not mean that we are supposed to forget everything just about our past, that we're supposed to forget everything that God has done for us. How do we know that's not what this means? Because other places in Scripture tell us, don't forget, right? The Psalms are filled with examples of don't forget what God has done for you. Do not forget who he is. Hebrews chapter 11 is an entire chapter of remembering God's working powerfully throughout the generations. It is remembering. Don't forget. But what Paul's saying here is in the context of us moving forward, he's saying, I will forget anything that robs me of moving forward in this relationship with Jesus. What could possibly do that? Well, it could be what I touched on just a minute ago. It could be something like my failures. Like who am I to grow and know Jesus better? Because I know my failures. And I have learned that when your past shows up in your present and threatens your future, and suddenly you can find yourself living in this fear. You can suddenly find yourself paralyzed in the race. You just quit moving forward. Your past just keeps showing up. So, like, what are we talking about here? Like, what are the things of your past that tend to keep showing up in your life that really could hold you back? From believing that you could move forward in this relationship with Jesus? Well, I think an obvious would be 
Maybe it's the ways that you have, or I suppose even continue, to maybe hurt others. You never intended for things to get out of control, but they got out of control. And you hurt some people. Or, I've seen this, sometimes it's your attempt to control that ends up hurting the people around you. Maybe it was a time that you look back and you go, that was a moment when my desire took priority over what the right thing to do was. And I didn't do what was right because I I did what I wanted and I hurt people. Maybe it was betraying their trust. Maybe you took something that didn't belong to you. I don't think this one's hard for us to understand. We all have a list of in some way that we hurt someone. Or it doesn't just have to be you hurting someone else. It could be the failures that exist where somebody hurts you. Right? It was that person you should have been able to trust. It was the person that you chose to trust, but somewhere along the way they abandoned you, they neglected you, they lied to you, they stole from you, they cheated on you. I mean, the list could be big. And I'm going to add one more. Sometimes when that stuff happens, we even start to feel hurt that way by God, like, God, why did you let them do that to me? God, why did, why did you let this take place in my life? Now, I'm not shaming you this morning. I promise for feeling that way because I think if we could do a truth meter for, from, from all, right, who are a part of even heart of life this morning, I think it would reveal probably for most all of us at some point moment in our life we've experienced something that at least we have to fight the thoughts of going God that just seems wrong from you God why would you do that so I'm not shaming you in that regard but I am going to be bold enough to say I believe that on that day when the, when the finish line is crossed when we see Jesus face to face I think it will be revealed that Every moment we thought he was wrong, we will realize we were wrong. That he's always good. We just couldn't see it. So maybe some of us today are, man, we we think about moving forward in this whole, right, spiritual walk. We think about moving forward and following Jesus, but the stuff of the past just keeps showing up. And when it does, it suddenly causes bitterness in our heart. It will cause insecurity sometimes. It will cause fear. Sometimes it leads to a feeling of unworthiness or failure or shame or guilt. And all of that ends with a paralyzation. We we just become paralyzed until, until that past comes face to face with the one who is greater 
than it all. The one who is greater than my past, the one who is greater than my sin. I could pick so many places to tell you from scripture where that truth is revealed. I'm gonna pick one, the book of Colossians, I love it. It says, when you were dead in your sin, like not, not like weak, not, not just paralyzed, but you were dead. In other words, your sin, it cuts you off from God. When there was no relationship of following him, of running after him, when you were dead in your sin, the one, it is Jesus who made you alive. How did he make us alive? It says he forgave us all our sins. How did he forgive us our sins? It says he canceled the legal charge of our sin, which stood against us and it condemned us before God. How how did he do that? He took it away and he nailed it to a cross. So when you ask me, Jeff, when my past starts showing up in my present and affecting my future of moving forward with Jesus, what do I do? Here's what we do. We lay our failures at the foot of the cross because that is the place where Jesus paid a price once and for all, that those who follow him, we are fully forgiven. Paul's got a story. There was a time that he persecuted and killed the people who were trying to follow Jesus. And then he met Jesus. It is the old songwriter who wrote words like this, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. When my past begins to creep up and try to hold me back from the future. No, it is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated most beautifully at the cross. That means now I can even boast in the darkness of my past. I'm not boasting on what I did, but because I boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has forgiven my sin, and I can move forward with him. But you understand it's not just failures that can hold you back. Sometimes we also have to learn how to forget what is behind in terms of victories. Victories. Because sometimes we have this tendency to let wins, even in our faith, stunt our growth. So we... We take a step, we move forward, and we see victory take place. We, we feel this, this, this experience, this victory in our faith. And then the next thing you know, we like to camp out right there. Let's just build some tents here and stay. And we start to think, well, in order to take a next step forward, it's got to be exactly like the last step was or what I've gained or feel like I, I won in this victory, I, I don't want to risk losing 
right, what, what I've just gained, or sometimes we just get lazy in that. And so today, I am reminding you, who God is does not change. Who he is in his character, he does not change. What God says is right and wrong does not change. His word is steady. It is sure. It does not change. But the circumstances that our God will use to grow us up and to grow us to him, the, the methods and the tools that he uses for, for us to, to, to fulfill the mission he's given us in reaching, those things can change. I'm reminding you, whatever mountain you feel like you have stepped on with him, it is not the highest mountain. Whatever victory that you have experienced with him, it is not the final victory. He is the God who can do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. I heard somebody talk about that not too long ago. His ways, they're higher than ours. His thoughts, they are higher than ours. And so what do you do when your victories, right, begin to, to hold you back from going forward? We lay our failures at the foot of the cross and we lay our victories at the door of an empty tomb because an empty tomb is the place that most reminds us our God will never be boxed in. The mountain you're on is not the highest mountain. And the victory that you have won is not the greatest victory. He is still moving forward. And so whether it is failures or it is victories, Paul says, one thing I do. I am forgetting what is behind. But then I am straining toward what is ahead. Straining. You hear the language start to happen, pressing on moving forward. Yes, I belong to Jesus, but I'm I'm going for more. I I, I want to know him better and better. I just I want to read a couple of texts that um, have that familiar language that, that the Apostle Paul uses in some other places in Scripture. You, you hear the, the sports language, but more than that, you hear this straining tone. First Timothy chapter four, first Timothy chapter four, verse seven, he says have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. I think the way we could translate to that is, is like quit playing games. Like quit dabbling in all this stuff. Quit playing games. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value. I don't know why he put that in there. All right, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we've put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Don't play games. And so he makes this comparison between physical, right, training and, and, and spiritual 
training, and, and, he, and he says, okay, spirit, physical training, it's, it's got some value, but spiritual training, it affects not just like this part of your life, but it's eternal. This is an eternal factor. And I don't mean just eternal like when we get to heaven. It's an eternal factor now. It's an eternal factor forever. That's why we strain. That's why we strive. That's why we push forward. So I'll let you in on an ugly secret. Um, several weeks ago, as I'm prepping for this series and we're talking too much about running and all that stuff, then I, I decided to use it as um, a little inspiration to, to try to start doing that better. You know, it's the thing I know I'm always supposed to be doing better. And so, okay, this is another good opportunity. I'm going to be talking about it for a month. Um, I, and so I, I started exercising a little more again, and part of that is, is um, running. Well, I call it running, all right? So I told you last week in the seventh grade, right, I, this pattern was set in my life where three miles a day was a part of of, of what we did in, in the seventh grade. It was a part of the whole just development process of, of, of athletes. And so I picked three miles this time again. And so most every day, as a, as a part of what I'm doing, I, I will try to travel three miles. Now, here's what I've learned in the more birthdays that I have, the more anniversaries that I have. My mind is stronger than my body. Now, that wasn't always the case, okay? But my mind is stronger than my body. And it happened several years ago, and I've learned from it, where I, I, I can talk my body into going too far because it's what I do. Like, I can, I can motivate myself. I can, I, and so... I can run too much too fast. Now, it's ugly, but I just won't quit. You know what I'm saying? I just won't quit. And a couple of years ago, I actually, like, did something in my knee, and suddenly my knee hurts every time I'm just walking on it, much less running on it, and then you got to find a brace to help it not hurt so much, and the next thing, then I can't actually do the exercise that I want to exercise because I, I hurt myself because I talked myself into moving too fast. And so now I, I set limits, and the goal for my mind now is to determine, Jeff, you cannot run uphill. And that's what I do. So like when I start, like I did several weeks ago, then I don't run any inclines. Some of the inclines in the three miles that I go are like, like three-tenths of a mile. I don't run those. I walk them. I walk them as fast as I can walk them, but I don't run them because if I run them, which I can convince myself to do, I can. I can talk myself into it. I, I, can, I can just not quit, but I end up hurting myself. And so I'm up to at this point where I actually, I'm going to call it trot, all right? I trot about two out of the three miles. But I'm doing it regularly. I'm doing it consistently. But I have to set those limits because if I don't, I'll be hurt. I'm telling you that because I want you to understand that what Paul is telling us today, that may be true in, spiritual, in physical things, 
But in spiritual things, he's saying, you don't really need to worry about pacing yourself. Run. Strain. Press. Push. That's what you hear. You don't hear him going now, let's just take this at a nice pace. No, he's like, I'm glad you're running, but come on, because I'm running ahead. Run with me. Push harder. Push faster. Now, I don't mean by that, I don't mean that like you can't do too much in terms of, I think it's possible that, that perhaps you, you could do too much. And what I mean by that, I suppose, is activity in the sense of that, I think that's a sign of a relationship issue with Jesus. Although, this is a whole nother talk, I'm not so sure our definition of pushing too much and doing too much would be a big conversation if we actually sat down with some of these first century Christians in terms of what it was to lay down their lives to follow him. But what I'm saying is you don't have to hold up. You don't have to pace yourself in terms of a desire, a passion to know Jesus more. Paul's saying, strive, push, lean into this, run as hard as you can. Sometimes grace will, will make people say, well, Jesus is the one who does it all, so we don't really have to strive. And the truth is, Jesus is the one who does it all. But he does that through your striving. And over and over again in Scripture, that is the pattern. Nobody just stumbles into godliness. It is a race that you are choosing to run. Let me give you one more. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Same thing he said in that last pass, right? There's now, but then there's forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. If you're going to run, he's like, run to win. If you're going to fight, then fight to win. Win. I'm curious. Anybody in the house today, and this can be measured wherever, right? You may be watching from today. We can measure it at all the sites today. You guys can let me know. I'm going to watch here. Anybody in this house never seen a Rocky movie? Come on, be honest. Yeah, a few. A few. Sometimes I throw those out so that the older people in the crowd can just sigh and go, you got to be kidding me, right? They sigh, like, because there's a lot, like, in the younger generation, like, they've never seen a Rocky movie because all of them are made before they were born, right? You know what I'm saying? But there was, like, 12 of them. You know what? Maybe not 12, but there was, like, six, six Rockies and three Creeds. That's pretty close to 12, right? There was, there was a whole bunch of those. There's this one. I think it was the second one. When Rocky 
he and Adrian, they have their, a baby is born. You remember that? A, a, a baby is born. And Rocky is, is there by the bed, and man, he looks different, right? That's what they say for all of us. Man, we look different back. And so he, he's, they're, they're oohing and aahing over this little one to be born. And uh, they're naming him. And, 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 and Rocky says something like this. He goes, look, if you think I need to do something different instead of fight, we'll figure out another way to take care of our family. And she says... There's just one thing I want you to do. And he says, what that? What's that? She says, come here. And he leans in and she says, win. Boom, the music starts playing, right? And she goes, win, right? And, and I think it's Mickey. I think that's the trainer. He goes, what are we waiting for, right? And off it goes and into one of those big old Rocky training things that happen, right? When he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Man, that is the picture that I get when I read this passage, this passage from Paul. I don't think Paul's just kind of going, come on, y'all. We should run this race. I think he's going, there's one thing I want you to do. And we're like, what? He's like, come here. Win. Boom, right? The music plays. And he's like, I want you to win. I want you to run. I want you to know that Jesus is better than anything else in this world. Knowing him, run with everything you got. So, let's ask the question. We better. How do I live that? Because we don't want to just be gatherers of information. How do I live that? I'm just going to give you a, some quick suggestions here, and, and we're going to probably end up talking about these more as this, this uh, series unfolds. But here's where we're going to start. You got to tell yourself the truth about you. Tell yourself the truth about you. You want to live with a discontentment in terms of wanting to move forward? You got to tell yourself the truth about you. Don't lie to yourself about you. That means you got to probably take some time to think about it. You got to take some time to actually observe what's going on in your life. Where are you in this journey? Where are you weak and where are you strong? I'll, be, I'll, I'll go first. An area in which I'm strong, man, I love to study. I'm good at studying. Like, I, I don't mind putting in the time and the effort to, to study for, for, like, what it takes in order for, for today to, to, to happen. And so I, I know that, that I can, I mean, I can open Scripture and, and go to work and for periods of time stay with that. It's pretty much something I do every day of my life. You know where I'm not quite as strong as studying? Praying. Now, I'm not saying that I don't do it. I'm just saying it doesn't come quite as easy for me as studying does. In, in, in long, right, sessions of prayer, can I just, like, admit that sometimes that's a harder struggle than long sessions of, of study? Now, here's the point. That's not supposed to be, ooh, shame on you. Like, you're the pastor. You should be, like, like, like you should pray, like, 17 hours a day and, and right, and love it. And every, the, that, that's, the point is not to shame. The point is to create a holy discontent in me that goes, God, don't let me settle for just studying about you. 
I want to study with you so that that study can actually turn into more of listening and communication and prayer can happen. You see what I'm saying? But knowing yourself helps you take those steps. It, it, like, it'll help you know. It'll help you know. It's popular in the business world these days. And I'm good with this. It's popular in the business world to really not worry so much about your weaknesses anymore. You just focus on your strengths. That's cool. Whatever. I just want you to know in God's kingdom, he don't play that game with your heart and your character. He's not like, whatever you're strong at, cool, just go with it and don't worry about the weaknesses. No, he's growing you. He's growing you. Second, measure yourself against Jesus. What do I mean by that? I mean, if, if we're measuring, hey, well, what is it to grow? What is this to, you can find, if you want, a group of people who will make you look like a spiritual giant. You can, right? You can find enough people who don't already run this race as good as you do that makes you feel like, right, you're a spiritual giant. But when you make Jesus the measure, he is the one you are following, what's the result? The result, again, is not to shame you to go, look how terrible I am. No, the point is to encourage your heart to say, keep following Jesus because we're not there yet. And it creates that holy discontentment that says, I want to continue to be more like him. It's not about shame. It's about love. Third, trust that God is at work in you because he is. We've already seen that throughout Philippians. We could go back and look at verse after verse. What he starts, he finishes, right? What he begins, he brings to completion. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you Expect transformation in your life. Expect every day that God is wanting to change you to be more and more like him. We'll talk about this more next week. We're in this race together, right? That's the picture. And I want to remind you today, the greatest thing you bring to this race, the greatest thing you bring to this race for us is more important than whatever task you complete around here. Right? So we get, there's a thing that needs to be done. Hey, the church needs this done, and so we do it. Hey, there's, a, there's a, an event that we're putting on. So, so, so I want you to hear me. What The most important thing you bring is bigger than the completion of a task. The most important thing you bring is people seeing you changing, looking more and more like Jesus. It's you growing. It's you transforming. It's him changing. That is the greatest thing that you bring to this race. And then fourth, find some pace setters. Man, you want to keep running this thing and you want to run it with intensity, you want to strive, you got to find some pace setters. Again, that's what we began to talk about last week. You got to find some men and some women in your life, that, right? Sometimes it's going to feel like they live at such a godly level that it's kind of embarrassing to you. I'm saying find those people. They don't have to be perfect at everything, but 
Man, if it's prayer you need to grow in, find those people whom God has grown in prayer and let them be a pace setter for you. If it's, if it, if it's taking in God's word, find those people who, who, who God has grown in that way. If it's a, an aspect of your character, find somebody that God has grown in that way and let them be a pace setter for you. So one more time. Let's read those end verses of Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. Man, I hope you hear those words. I hope you could feel it. A long time ago, I knew this little girl. She was, was pretty active in our lives. We were around her all the time, this little bitty girl. And when she was growing up, little bitty, when she learned to run, she ran like this. She would stick her arms straight out behind her and just run as fast as she could run. We were always trying to teach her to put her arms aside. How did she run like that? When I read what Paul's saying today, that's exactly the image that I've got. It's like that, it's like that runner who is trying to get to that goal line, and then it's just that lunge of everything that they have. Press on, he's saying. I'm press on toward the what? The goal. There is a goal. There is a line. I, I'm moving toward that finish line. Why? Because beyond that goal, there is a prize. That prize, knowing Jesus, right, in fullness, seeing him face to face. But watch this. How do I know? How do I know that this can even be? Because God has called me. Come on, this didn't start with us, it started with him. It started with a God who pursued us, a God who called us. He is the God who has called you heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we're going to run with everything we've got. We're going to run all the way to the finish line. We're going to keep our eyes on the prize. But because he called us and because we're in Christ Jesus, Here's what I can go ahead and tell you. We win. We win. And that is why we press on. Well, that just leaves one question for today. Now that you kind of know how. When will you live that? Let's pray. Father, there may be those who today you are calling for the first time. Or perhaps you have been calling them for a season. God, it is my prayer that you will help us to hear your voice. God, you will help those who have never turned to you. God, today they will hear a voice of love. They will hear a voice of forgiveness. God, I pray today that you will give them faith to run to you. But God, I also pray for those that you have already called. God, perhaps they have been following for some time. But some of us today, God, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to slow down and tell the truth to ourselves about where we are in this race. God, that you would stir us to run 
God, I pray for those who need to seek pace setters. God, we need each other. You're going to, I think, take us further in that even next week. But God, just asking that all throughout this series, God, may there be more and more of your body here in your church, God, who operate like the pace setters that you've called us to be. That we are a pace setter for some, but we also have those who are pace setters for us. God, thank you for your word today. God, we're asking how, we're asking when. Will you help us live what we've got? It's in the name of Jesus that we pray it today. Amen.